Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You are watching a master at work. Welcome to NFL Trend Zone with uh, Dustin Baker. That is me, um, and I'm here with Wes Johnson. We are both NFL writers for FranchiseTag.com, a website that will launch either this week or the following week. And this is the uh, show, the spinoff show from it, NFL Trend Zone. And this week, there's a lot of stuff to cover. We're going to talk about the J.J. Watt news that electrified March 1st. And then we're going to talk about some of the free agency stuff with the defensive tackles, the plethora of them that are out there. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the franchise tag stuff, not the website, but the the players that are going to probably get that. Alex Smith is a free agent, and then Kyle Rudolph was jettisoned from the Vikings on Tuesday. So we'll talk about some landing spots for him. But first, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. And the only place that you should be betting on these sports is betonline.ag. Uh, for instance, the upstart Utah Jazz in the NBA are plus 800 to make this thing a Cinderella type of gig and win a championship. So that means if you put down 100 bucks and they do it, you'll win 800. Uh, BetOnline even covers awards, uh, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of prop bets with real-time odds and almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24 online casino is always open. Head to BetOnline and the uh, website and use the mobile device as well. Uh, sign up today and receive 50% uh, welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. The first topic we have on the docket, and we'd be remiss if we didn't speak about it first, is J.J. Watt. Um, I wouldn't call it stunning news. Uh, it just kind of fell out of nowhere on March 1st that he was going to join the Arizona Cardinals via weightlifting photo. And um, like the two hours before that, his buddies or somebody's biking account or Peloton account said that he was already named his destinations, some weird stuff. And then he just silenced that saying, yeah, by the way, I'm going to the Cardinals, which I want to point out that uh, Wes predicted two weeks ago, or at least said that watch out for the Cardinals. I had to go back and check because I remembered him saying that. So we do have some positive positivity that comes out of this show, or at least some prognostication. So on JJ Watt, uh, before I hand it off to you, Wes, I want to point out so for the last three years he's been relatively healthy he missed half the season in 2019 uh, but on the whole uh, he has not been healthy for the last five years he's missed 40 percent of games but when he does play he is still a fierce force and uh, that's probably why he's getting 23 million dollars guaranteed from Arizona he reunites with DeAndre Hopkins and he must think that these folks are on the precipice of a playoff run or a Super Bowl push because uh, why the hell else would he uh, want to go there? Um, 
it boils down to this, and you can tell me where I'm wrong, and this is about as elementary of analysis you'll get from me. If he stays healthy, he is indeed worth the contract. If he does the same type of stuff, unfortunately, by no fault of his own that he's done for five years where, oh, looks like Watts out five, six games, then he probably isn't worth the contract. Um, is it, in your perspective, deeper than that? Do you think Cardinals plummet up or plummet to the top, not plummet, plunge to the top of the NFC as contenders or what say you? I think they stay, I guess, treading water uh, in the NFC West. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's brutal. NFC West is loaded. It's a brutally difficult division. Absolutely. Uh, Getting back to a point that we had talked about a week or two ago, uh, regarding uh, Deshaun Watson wanting to go somewhere and be the guy or the alpha dog. I I can see what, you know, similarly thinking the same way he's going to a team that uh, has missed the playoffs the last, you know, two, three years. And he wants to be that guy to put them over the top Uh, pairing up with Chandler Jones, that they're going to wreak havoc since 2012 uh, that, they're number one and number two in sacks in the NFL. Rich get richer. Exactly. So that's, that's the sunshine and rainbows uh, utopia that it will work out. So it's predicated on the fact, which is a reasonable thing to put in your brain that Kyler Murray will ascend to stardom. And he's already showed seedlings of that. um, But then he did kind of taper off after the hail Murray, Um, But it certainly doesn't mean that uh, he's any less of a quarterback. Uh, It's just growing pains. And believe it or not, not every quarterback comes into the league um, winning MVP. So this will probably be this or 2022 or combined will be a year where Kyler Murray takes his proverbial next step to, you know, that pro bowl, all pro status. If he has it in him, The, the thing on what I always think about is there's, there's things that look good on paper. And this is certainly one of them. And then sometimes things don't work out. And I have no reason to say that this one won't outside of his injury history. It feels like, like my goodness. Now, if, if your team is playing the Cardinals this year, like my, there's, there's too many weapons. It's basically the Texans out West or further West. (laughs) But the example I always go back to, and this is deep seated in my memory as a kid is an NBA example in the Portland trailblazers. Um, Every year they would, change up the nucleus and like an add Rashid Wallace or bring in Steve Smith, or they would do something different and change things up. And it would always keep them decent, but not good enough. So not that the Cardinals will do that, but it's always in the back of my mind that when you add pieces that look like, wow, instant contenders, it takes a lot more than um, that video game mentality for a championship to happen. Um, so on Watt, I'm certainly sold that this is going to be exciting, but it's, I, t- I tell you what, he has to be healthy for it to be worthwhile because otherwise it's just more of the same. And again, that's not a knock on him. Right, right. And Watt fills one of uh, what I saw Arizona's two biggest needs in the offseason, which is uh, defensive tackle, the other being tight end, which we'll probably touch on a little bit later. Um, so, yeah, his health. Uh, will lead or lend to a lot of their uh, future success. So if he stays healthy, I really can see them making some noise in the NFC, uh, possibly even in their own division. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe Seattle takes a step back, 
Uh, Russell Wilson's already been on record complaining about his protection. So, you know, they might not be able to address that this year and he might be running for his life. If we ever, assuming that the 49ers in your hometown um, either have a healthy Garoppolo or do something different at quarterback and get back to that 29 level of supremacy that they had. Have we ever really had a super division? Like, you know, we talk about NBA super teams or, you know, the Titans of industry at quarterback from Mahomes and what, but this feels like unless they, one of the teams falls flat, which could happen that like, my God, like it's going to be just a survival fest to get out of the division. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I can't think of a division that had it like this recently. Actually, um, NFC this South, year, NFC yeah. South in the past, like with Breeze, Ryan, um, the Bucks, sort of. Um, when we thought Winston was still pretty good, they always felt like, oh God, that's a that's a truck that's a tricky division. Um, yeah. Like with when Cam was ripping and rolling, uh, so it, but this that pales in comparison to what we think this might be because there's not. The only thing that could be considered a weakness would be the 49ers if they don't get back to the 2019 form. But that wasn't very long ago. You know, that right. was two a year and a half ago that they were the best of the best in the NFC. And now with Rams and the Cardinals and Seahawks, it's somebody's got to win it. And I just can't see anybody tanking that, you know, not on purpose, but just being bad. Right. Yeah. I really can't say who's going to finish first or who's going to finish last. Where yeah. You can really go into a lot of these divisions and, and find, you know, okay, they, you know, this one might compete for first and this one. Oh yeah. Dead last. Yeah. They're all like that. Um, yeah. every single division right now, uh, we're not going to go through them all, but I tell you what, they're all like that where there's like, yeah, well, they're not going to make the playoff and there's no team in that division that I could be like, yeah, they're not going to do it. Every single one. I'm like, Ooh, they're going to make it. Right. <laughs> and whoever doesn't feels like they're going to get screwed. So Yeah, no, exactly. Right, you talked about the need um, that the Cardinals satisfied on the defensive line. Uh, and I want to pivot to a quick chat about defensive tackles. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, most of them are three techniques. Nose tackles aren't usually too coveted in free agency. Maybe underrated is the best word. But from Kawan Short, Geno Adkins, Kareem Jackson, Jarrell Casey. I'm doing this from memory. Um, there's even Adamican Sue. I have yeah. to ask, what is the deal with so many of them being available? Is it because once they hit a certain age, they're a dime a dozen? Or why is it that if your team needs a three-technique defensive tackle, you can look at the free agency Shelby Harris, if I didn't say him, you can look at it now and be like, oh, yeah, we'll grab one of those guys. It seems really deep right now for that free agency spot extremely deep and and that's uh, that's williams yeah that's rare right yeah um i mean a lot of these d tackles are hitting the market like you know before free agency so just like jj watt you know quan short geno atkins uh shelby harris Darrell casey they can all sign with teams right (laughs) now yeah which is unheard of and I, i think with the covid cap crunch you know Teams are looking at, you know, areas where they can cut some cost. And, you know, unfortunately, some of these guys have had injury history or productions kind of slip over, you know, the lifetime of the deal that they signed. And it's just too rich for these teams to carry. Yeah, there are 
maybe not every single one of those dudes, but I can name because my team, your team happens to need a defensive tackle. At least we think they do. Right. Between Kawan short is it Geno Atkins and one other one that's escaping my memory. They are dudes that played tremendous in years past. So 2018, maybe even 2019. And then because of injury and whatnot, Kawan short comes to mind. They didn't play much in 2020 and therefore now their stock is low and I guess their existing general manager is like, yeah, we can we can do something else there, or we can plug and play somebody we already have. Um, but it's a tremendous time for that because we, as uh, fans and then analysts, you 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 think that the guy that your team will sign will magically go back to the form at his peak, and it could happen. We've seen it a ton. Um, you know, these most of those dudes aren't crazy old, so they could be a reclamation project. And like Kawan Short was underrated in my opinion and he was spectacular as recent as 2018 and 2017 he was like a mini Aaron Donald in terms of like his pro football focus score so there's going to be plenty of them do you think that do you have any in mind where you're like oh this guy will probably go there or it doesn't quite have that quarterback feel where you can plug and play on paper yeah I mean maybe with uh like Quan Short you know, he was in Carolina. Mm-hmm. Maybe he, he has a connection with Cam Newton. He winds up in New England. Um, Geno Atkins, uh, coached by Mike Zimmer with the Vikings. So mm-hmm. he could, you know, realistically wind up back there. Uh, there's a lot of uh, needy teams at the D tackle position uh, Browns, Cowboys, Packers, Raiders, Vikings, Seahawks, and Steelers should all look to add. Um, at least one of these guys and probably uh, another prospect in the draft. Yeah. And there's such a valuable thing to have because uh, some teams will, you know, just put a serviceable, serviceable body in there and hope for the best, but uh, nobody will have Aaron Donald outside of the Rams. But when you watch them, it's the strategic advantage where the pressure comes organically from the interior when it's usually designed to come from from the edges. So it's like a built-in um, advantage that the Rams will have for how a decade more and that other teams are striving to get uh, because then it frees up the, the edge rushers to do their thing. And then, oh, by the way, you got this behemoth in the middle who happens to be able to rush the pasture because most nose tackles are only there to stuff the run and, you know, I guess – carve out a little bit of extra space for the real uh, rushers of passers to get, to get there. But I'm, I'm, it's almost like a, like a mini bidding war of where all these D tackles going to go because um, like I said, our team happens to need one. And then you start looking at them like, well, they better be able to get one. There's like 10 of them. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. There's no excuses. If you go into week one thinking, Oh yeah, we got this guy who's just a journeyman. Who's got a PFF about 55. No, you should be able to go find one of these free agents. And then even, even the draft has some uh, sexy names like uh, Christian Barmore, and there's a dude, I think, from Florida State whose stock will fall, Marvin Wilson. Marvin no, Marvin Wilson, I think is his name. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, it's, a, it's a spot that it's very, very odd that there's so many available. No, absolutely. And probably the uh, most talented of those that will be free agents uh, is Leonard Williams with the New York Giants. Does he usually um, line up on the edge, or do they mix and match him in the middle? I think they slide him around like they do – Aaron Donald. Um, yeah. He's actually um, 
somebody that's a tag candidate, a franchise tag candidate. Okay, so. I see. And he's uh, he's damn good. I know he was a high pick by the Jets. Jets, like yeah, three, three or four years ago. And yeah. I I saw a was it Pete Prisco or it was one of those top 100s, and he was number two. And I was yeah. like, well, I knew he was good, but dang, <laughs> that's uh, that's quite a steam for him. On the franchise tag business, you mentioned during your uh, speech on how that will be implemented, that we will probably see a lot more of it this year because the cap is so strange and foreign to a lot of these executives. So will it still carry that eye roll connotation for players is my first question. Possibly. So the tag opened last week yeah, we um, and there's like not much. Yeah. The, <laughs> uh, I don't anticipate seeing any movement until maybe next week. This time uh, the deadline to tag players is um, March 9th. And, you know, between when the window opens and um, usually about two weeks into the window, teams are spending the time trying to extend these players and negotiate contracts uh, they don't want to have to use the tag if they don't have to. Yeah. Um, so this that last half of uh, the week of March 9th, you're going to see probably a flurry of these tags. Okay. Um, because Prescott, it's, it's been uh, zilch. I mean, yeah. I mean, besides names that I don't care about or I guess I don't recognize, it's like uh, that that window opened. I was I was writing an article about what to expect in March and. I realized I didn't even mention that. And I was like, God, do I need to go back and write that in? But it's been such a non-factor that it was like, well, I don't even know if I need to bother doing that. Uh, sorry, I cut you off. Keep going. Oh, no, no. uh, yeah. So uh, a few players that are potential tag candidates, Dak Prescott, <laughs> uh, Justin Simmons, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Aaron Jones. So uh, the big names. The big names. Yep. And, and the reason being is uh, because of the cap, uh, those franchise tag numbers will be pretty similar to what we saw last year. Mm -hmm. So the, the caps increasing, actually, no, sorry, it's decreasing, yeah. but they essentially teams are going to be getting a deal by franchise mm -hmm. tagging these players. Um, obviously the franchise tag is the sum of the top five salaries at that player's respective position. Uh, if they're transition tags, it's the sum of the top 10 players at that position. Um, and the only yeah. reason that those are generally scorned from a player aspect is because it's a a one year of guaranteed money, correct? Correct. Yeah, they they want the long term security. Yeah. Okay, and that's why it was so um, badly poetic when uh, Prescott got hurt because all he was all he was seeking what he was seeking was long term commitment to avoid something that happened on that day um, when he was lost for the season. And it was almost as if like, you know, you had that sympathy for him because uh, he's good enough to be a starting quarterback on God, what 20, 20 something teams. And yeah. the Cowboys just strangely yank him around and then boom, he gets hurt. And, you know, his worst fears imagine where thankfully it looks like he'll be hundred uh, percent, but you never know for sure. And right. that, that's his livelihood. And, had that been something more catastrophic, like Alex Smithish, then, then what? He's he's stuck with what he has accrued since 2016. When uh, you know, as a savvy business move through uh, move by ruthless Cowboys in the front office, it seems like, well, yeah, that's why we that's why we didn't quite do the deal yet. But right. it's ruthless. It's a ruthless way to do business. Absolutely, absolutely, it, and that's why you know players get upset about it. Uh, 
you know, they don't have that long-term security. I mean, luckily in Dak's uh, case, you know, we saw the the Cowboys completely fall off the the face of <laughs> the league map essentially once he went down. Yeah. Yep. And then they only really started to figure it out a little bit towards the end. But by that time, it's weird to say that division was already uh, in the bank because it wasn't, uh, but they were so irrelevant and not going to do anything in the playoffs that when Washington took it, they actually looked like a playoff team a little bit when they played the the Buccaneers, you know, they, they, yeah. they hung tight with Taylor Heineke. Um, so oh, we yeah. just, we just talked about Alex Smith. That was the other uh, semi big news that kind of paled in comparison to, to Watts bombshell, but he, after his uh, marvelous comeback story is now unemployed and can go s- search for work elsewhere. So he, what is he about 30? He's is he my 36. 36. So yeah, he is a year younger than me. He came out of the same draft in 2005 that uh, Rogers did because those two notoriously flip spots in terms of where they were supposed to be picked. Yeah. Um, so on, on him, of course, we all cheer for his reclamation and I'm, I'm glad he got in to showcase what he has left with Washington, but they want to go different in a different way. And he's always been a quarterback, uh, particularly with the chiefs where he's pretty good. Um, you know, he makes a lot of good throws. He's pretty safe with the ball. He, he throws underneath, uh, not a huge field, field stretcher. That's why it was so irresistible to go to Mahomes in 20, I guess, night summer of our league start of 2019. So my opinion of him is that he will sign on somewhere at a regular backup deal. And then we will continue to get glimpses of him in backup capacity for two or three years. And he might be able to find lightning in a bottle and we'll be like, yeah, this is Alex Smith. So let's say he goes to, I don't know, the Raiders. That's, that's not where I think he'll go, but that just came to mind. Right. And something happens to Carr. Well, they'll look at the bench and be like, oh, we got Alex Smith. And then he'll rattle off some wins. And we'll start right. to wonder, why do we even doubt this guy? Um, do you foresee him starting somewhere as the guy next season? want to interrupt for just a second to talk about our newest sponsor, which is eBay. Um, whether rare dead stock or the latest release, um, find the exact shoes you're looking for on eBay. As for the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop a pair um, that you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators, uh, which is a team of experienced sneaker authenticators. They verify the box, the logo, the stitching, etc., and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee uh, tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verification return process. And for the sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell and flip your collection. So go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. It's possible, uh, but it would be temporary. Yeah. Um, say, you know, he, he could be the, um, he could bridge the gap for a quarterback like Trey Lance for the team that drafts mm-hmm. him. Um, a guy that's you know missed college this past year and probably yeah. won't be ready to to get up to speed until you know week nine or ten. Um, other than that, I, I see him as a backup, like you were saying. Uh, Dolphins or Cincinnati, uh, he could have that kind of story. You know, yeah. come in, uh, fill in for Tua like Fitzpatrick did, or um, you know, bridge the gap for 
uh, Joe Burrow until he's ready to come back mm-hmm. from his ACL. Um, the one to keep an eye on, though, is uh, Jacksonville. Oh, no, I thought you were going to say something different. Go ahead. No. So uh, Jacksonville, uh, Urban Meyer was his head coach at Utah oh. in college. So wow. this, I, I'd keep an eye on that. He mm-hmm. he could be a mentor for uh, Lawrence. So. Sure, surely Lawrence would start week one, though, right? I would have to assume unless uh, – I know Lawrence is recovering from uh, a surgery. Oh, yeah, yeah. Unless that's going to prolong, you know, him – being able to start. Okay. Now we, we went, we did an entire show devoted to quarterbacks last week. And we at one point rattled off the needy teams, at quarterback that basically don't have a plan yet that are kind of, well, they probably do. We just don't know it. So they're going to take a quarterback or they're going to move and shake in free agency. And that means the bears are there and the Patriots. And I would say Washington, but he's not going to go there. So, it seems like a bears thing to do to try to squeeze a little bit more out of Smith because that's kind of their MO. And then with the Patriots, maybe Belichick could uh, foresee that, you know, this is the kind of guy that can lead us back to the playoff. Um, Those would be the only two teams, especially the bears where I could think, okay, Alex Smith, they're going to give him a shot again with a pretty short leash because he's just, he's not that prolific. He's a, he's a winner, but I don't know if his brand of football translates to 2021 where you the stereotype is you need a, a mini gunslinger or a mobile guy. Um, right. Do you see him maybe going to the Bears or Patriots, or is that just uh, – Yeah, uh, Bears head coach Matt Nagy, he came from Kansas City, so yeah. he's uh, probably had a little bit of time with uh, Alex Smith when Smith was also in Kansas City. Uh, so there might be a relationship there, and uh, it could be a similar situation where he comes in. Uh, I know they have Foles, I believe, still under contract, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, that would uh, – so, yeah, they basically have Foles and Smith, <laughs> and, and that would be – I mean, it, it, I, uh, it's, I know a lot about the Chicago Bears um, being a rival fan of them for – gosh over 25 years and without insulting them it a smith Foles um combo platter going into a regular season really feels like something they would think was a good idea absolutely <laughs> <laughs> um I, so maybe maybe we're speaking into existence um yeah. there's some other let's see n- news before we get to one of our final topics so there was some moves today uh thomas davis uh, yeah. He's retiring, and that dude, in in those uh, articles that'll be penned in the coming years of underrated players, I put him there because he was tough as nails, mm-hmm. and uh, he had oodles of longevity. Um, what else was there? Was uh, Golden Tate was a, a casualty of yeah. the of the cap, and so is is it just me or is this free agency class becoming a lot deeper at WR three um, than maybe we would have thought six months ago? Yeah, it's becoming deeper, and I I would anticipate seeing a lot more cap casualties over the next week. Uh, we're going to see a lot of people that are, are cut as you know teams try and get down to uh, whatever the final cap number is. I know um, watching a press conference earlier today, uh, Rick Spielman had said the cap won't go below $180 million. Uh, so I know 
the Vikings are preparing for a cap at that number. Uh, I assume that, you know, other teams are doing the same and uh, they have to get to that number by the start of the new, new league year. Uh, so, you know, we should see a flurry of, of moves over the next week. Okay. Yeah. And that's when it's going to be so exciting too, <clears throat> um, in terms of all the moving and shaking. Um, another random question uh, that I have for you is if I had to put you on the spot, um, and this is kind of a proverbial cliche thing. There's always a team or two um, that will come out of the woodwork and perform unexpectedly well, kind of like the 2017 Jaguars. Um, is it d- too early for you to foreshadow a, a team like that? Um, do you need to see free agency in the draft first, or do you already have one in mind that not necessarily Super Bowl contender, but a team already that were like, you know what, they're, they're probably poised to be good. Yeah, I, I think I need a little bit more information. Um, a little too early in the season to, you know, m- make a prediction like that. Uh, there's definitely teams that are positioned to have success. Um, s- specifically, the teams with the cap, okay. uh, cap space like New York, uh, the Jets, or even Jacksonville. They they could have uh, quick turnarounds. A lot of it will depend on how successful their draft is. Okay. And on that draft, um, you can Google the term mock draft and any given day, see about two or three new ones, which is really cool. Uh, it's not a knock on the uh, process or practice. Um, is there any mock drafts that you've seen recently that have really made you think, or um, is it all pretty status quo in terms of the top 10, top 15? Yeah, I, I haven't really seen too much movement. It's usually fairly consistent. Uh, of course, you know, come draft night, there's always those teams that throw the curveball. Uh, Raiders being one of them. Uh, I know like clockwork. Drafted, uh, Cleveland uh, Farrell two years ago yeah. with the pick, the pick they acquired for uh, Cleo Mack. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a head scratcher for a lot of people. And they've done that. We thought it would change when uh, Al Davis died. Um, maybe it got a little more stable, but it's always something last year. It was rugs over Judy. And ultimately it was, it was more noteworthy that it was rugs over Jefferson when it was all right. said and done. Um, so yeah, they can, they can throw a wrench in there. Um, but I saw today where Chris Sims, uh, former quarterback, did you see his, his power rankings? I did not. Okay. So you might want to Google that or look it up on Twitter. Um, either U.S. or the the folks uh, that are listening, he placed Zach Wilson as his top quarterback prospect, and then it was Lawrence, and then I think he got to Fields, and then he threw Kellen Pond in there at number four, <laughs> and uh, all the way at the bottom, I believe, was Lance, or not the bottom, but at the bottom of the five or six. So normally, you'd see a list like that and say, this is some crack pot that's trying to stir the pot. But Chris Sims has a reputation for nailing this stuff. He did it for Lamar Jackson. He did it for Mahomes. Uh, Let's see. He foresaw that Mahomes was better than, oh, God, who was else in that? Well, certainly Trubisky. But he picked picked Mahomes as the top prospect in 2017 when you were all like, you mean the guy that comes from the Texas Tech's offense where everybody does well? Right now, if anybody cares to look that up, we're like, oh boy, he saw that before anybody else. So I wouldn't write off Sims's prognostications because they're usually right. 
But it is right. weird to see Kellen Pond, who I didn't even know about um, outside of seeing his name down the list in the fourth and fifth rounds of drafts. So is it a foregone conclusion? Probably not that uh, that Lawrence is going to be the best of this class because he put Wilson as the top prospect. Uh, no, it's not a foregone conclusion. I mean, it, it it's really – it could be anybody. As we've seen in recent years, you know, like you were mentioning, Trubisky, he obviously – wasn't even what the third best quarterback in, in that first round. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, Trubisky's always uh since he came in the league been an odd duck for me to analyze because uh in terms of you know quarterback record that some people love as if it was like a, a tennis game that we're watching one-on-one quarterbacks, he's got a better win-loss record than Deshaun Watson, like and by about three or four or five games. Um, but Chicago has this reputation and precedent for defense so that if you are mediocre, which, you know, Trubisky is, then you're probably going to win some football games. Um, but then sometimes you'll watch him and you're like, God, that, that was a pretty, that was a pretty sweet play. He wiggled out of that sack and then, you know, he ran, he ran with it and got a first down or every once in a while he actually throws it and does something productive. Uh, so he might be a guy where, what is he 20 probably 27 now maybe not that old but he might be a guy that just takes a while to figure it out like rich gannon from the 90s and 2000s where he has his renaissance in his 30s um that's really only happened a couple times in nfl history but trubisky is somebody that i've never feared as a fan of an opposing team but i don't think that he and is laughable like some people do but he certainly isn't isn't a, a spooky character from the opposition standpoint yeah, I you, agree. Echo, you echo the same idea. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, uh, let's see. I think we have one more topic, and we we touched on this uh, with you and the Cardinals needing a tight end. So the other news in the NFL on let's see Tuesday was that the Minnesota Vikings have parted ways with Kyle Rudolph, a player who's been there for ten years. Uh, they have a young tight end in Irv Smith Jr. and um, Rudolph was scheduled to be paid as a top five tight end. And to put it simply, the Vikings don't target him in the passing game to warrant that or anything close to it. So the business aspect of the game, he's going to go elsewhere. He was released. The Vikings get some cap relief. And if Rudolph believes that there is a market for him to be a tight end one, then all the power to him. So on Rudolph, before we talk about some destinations, there's this dynamic that's a little strange because the best part of his game is his ability to catch the football. Uh, He's not very fast, and he doesn't break a lot of tackles, but he has some of the best hands that you could ever see at the position or anywhere, and he's developed into a a, a good blocking tight end. So uh, in terms of the market for him, he is from Cincinnati. Um, They... I don't know if they necessarily need a tight end, but with Burrow coming back, um, they were a team in 2020 that threw the ball a lot. Usually teams with a rookie quarterback like to ease them in, but the Bengals were like, nope, let's just air the thing out. And Rudolph would offer security underneath for Burrow to dump off some of those dinker throws because uh, Rudolph has made a career of that and more. And then the other interesting one, before you give us your Cardinals take, is the Broncos. Now, they already have uh, Noah Font and then the other dude they drafted last year, but um, the general manager now for the Broncos is a Vikings alumnus, and he presumably was in the room when Rudolph was drafted, and then the offensive coordinator for those uh, Broncos is 
Pat Shermer, who offensively coordinated the Vikings during their NFC championship season. So my front runners, knowing Rudolph more than most, at least uh, as a Viking uh, dude, is that he'll probably go to the Bengals or the Broncos, but his options are a plenty because he's such a damn good catcher of the football. He's got a way. Does he want to start chasing Super Bowls at age 31, or does he want to maybe take a less sexy destination and be the target uh, targeted tight end where maybe he can still get 80 targets per year. Uh, what is your take on Rudolph and why do you think he might go to Arizona as you um, tease a little while ago? Yeah. Um, I could see him in Arizona, especially after the JJ Watt signing. It seems like they're primed to kind of load up on uh, positions of need. And, you know, as I mentioned previously, tight end is, uh, you know, now the, uh, most pressing need for them. Uh, Kyler Murray could use another um, outlet uh, receiver. Um, he was a little too dependent on DeAndre Hopkins last year, especially after the Hale Murray. Uh, I think teams started to key in on uh, Hopkins more, and you know that led to uh, Murray doing a lot more scrambling than passing, which you never really want for a quarterback. Yeah, and he, um, that's an aspect of his game that's one of the the better parts is the scrambling. But eventually, that'll that'll catch up to you. And if he if everybody in the world knows that he's going to target Hopkins more so than the rest, and rightfully so, um, it's probably wise to fortify the roster with a tight end. And I think, gosh, Max Williams and Tom or uh, Dan Arnold, not Tom Arnold, uh, <laughs> but it's. They're to your point, they are underwhelming in terms of personnel at tight end. And do you think, because you know Rudolph, uh, on you know, from watching all of the games, do you think he can still be a TE1 like undisputed? I think so, yeah, 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 I'm especially with you know what I just mentioned, Mm -hmm. you know, he's. Like, or like you said, actually, he's not a field stretcher, but he can be, you know, a possession receiver, somebody to look at on third down. Um, you know, he's been in the league 10 years. He just watching him in Vikings games, he mm-hmm. he always finds himself open. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's probably the top tight end on the market now. Uh, the other two being um, former Tennessee Titans, uh, Jonu Smith is another one to keep an eye on. And then also returning from injury, uh, Delaney Walker. Oh, yeah, uh, he's, he's money. Yeah, he might still have some left in the tank. But I think Rudy uh, goes to the top of, of that list on that free agent market. And that's awesome because at 31 with the – I probably talked about it too much now – the ability for him to catch the football with his sticky hands, um, there's going to be a market. And the interesting thing that we, we say – about him is that, you know, he'll, and I, I just said it five minutes ago that underneath in small ball target football, he's valuable until cousins got to Minnesota. That's what Minnesota quarterbacking was. So right. we really don't know if he had a, a rifleman like Mahomes. I'm pretty darn sure he can get to catch the ball downfield. It's just that when he was really in his heyday, he had Sam Bradford throwing in the ball. He had Teddy Bridgewater throwing in the ball. And both right. of those men were, uh, they, I wouldn't put dink and dunk on on them, but they targeted the shallow part of the field. 
yeah. as recently as 2016 when the Vikings had uh, a budding star in Thielen and a budding star in Diggs. Uh, Rudolph was targeted like 135 times by Sam Bradford, you know, in that very <laughs> short to middle part of the field. And so I really believe that, let's say, Rudolph went to the Chiefs because um, a little uh, a bunny told me that he was rumored to go there to last season, um, but the deal never went through. I think that if he had a quarterback that could uh, fling it and he was the emphasis of the offense, unlike he was in Minnesota, I think we'd be like, well, we didn't know that he could catch the ball 40 yards downfield. Uh, and we, we saw him do it with Hal Marys and stuff um, with the Vikings. So I think it is, it's just pretty simple for us to say, and I, you know, I'm guilty of it in my writings that, you know, he is an underneath guy. I think he could be more with the right to quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And one team I just thought of that, you know, he probably would be a good fit and it'd be, I, I know we talk about how bears esque it would mm-hmm. be. Yeah. Um, this would be very Seattle-esque for him to wind up with uh, the Seahawks. Yeah. Uh, Wilson asked for help that rather than give him a offensive <laughs> line, give him a tight end that can chip a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that would be there. Well, look what we got. We got a 31-year-old Kyle Ruoff. And and then two things on that. They usually from you know we both play fantasy football more so than we should, or too many leagues, I should say. <laughs> they usually have when they're healthy about two or three tight ends that you're like, God. Should I even bother starting Disley right. this week? Uh, because you don't know which one Russ is going to target. And then the, the last footnote on a potential Rudolph to Seattle is that every notable pass catcher that leaves the Vikings goes to the Seahawks. Absolutely. And unfortunately, it usually doesn't work. Or excuse me, uh, depending on how you look at it, it usually doesn't work out well for that player. And that right. goes back. I mean, the, the list is lengthy. I mean, players in general, they have like this this two-way avenue from Seattle to Minnesota that started yep. felt with, with Steve Hutchinson and then Burleson went there, Nate Burleson, Sidney Rice, right. Percy Harvin, and there's more. Traveris Jackson, it's yep. very weird. I don't know of any palpable ties between the two teams, but uh, it's always funny that when a Vikings player sees the end of days, it's like, oh, okay, well, when is he going to go to the Seahawks? Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, that was uh, what we had on the docket. Did you have anything for me? No, that's it. Okay. All right. Well, then we had the the bombshells this week. They're starting. They're starting to dribble in. And uh, we'll make a laundry list of them and cover them next week. Um, But if that's that's all you got. Yeah, that's all I got. All right. Well, we will talk to everyone next week. Peace. You are watching a master at work. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.